Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. Today I'm going to bring you an incredible story of Sir His Excellency, uh, Sir Patrick McCollum. And it's a great story in the fact of how he's emerged from just being a person, an ordinary person with a lot of stories to this sort of UN messenger of peace. And he's done so with a a goddess philosophy. He's been out there into the world. And I am so excited that that he is doing it. And he's going to do something incredible. And I've been sitting here as as an essence of uh, prophecy, an element of, you know, how magical things work. You know, I love that sort of thing. And this is one of my mentors in there, but um, here we go. We Good morning, Sir Patrick McCollum. How are you doing? Good morning. Yeah, I'm here. How are you? Great. I'm good. I'm sitting at the, at the monolith of Luxor at the feet of a sphinx right now, um, or a reasonable facsimile of it. It's interesting. Well, I'm actually looking out for looking for witches uh, and Sin City witches and trying to meet more witch, witch folks. And so that's been really kind of a very important part of what I've been out on the road doing. But you're, you're on a whole different scale. So I know your time is precious. And I really want to go right into the, the R20, this move uh, towards peace and live broadcast November 25th. Can you just tell us what that is? Because I think it's one of the most yeah. exciting things I've seen in a very, very long time. Yeah, sure. So first of all, this is the event itself is on November 25th, 2021. So it's coming up shortly. And uh, it will be a live stream broadcast of the event going to you know, hundreds of millions of people all over the world uh, throughout that day. But let me give you a little background mm-hmm. as to what it is and why we're doing it. So as you already know, I'm an international peacemaker, and I've been working in many different realms uh, for about 55, 56 years. But one of the things I've really focused on is indigenous peoples uh, over the years, and I've been involved in many different events, which we can talk about uh, uh, later on. Really about eight years ago, indigenous elders from the Amazon started contacting me um, and asking me if I could come to the Amazon and help um, some of the devastation that's taking place there. Um, their concerns were and still are, first, the burning of the Amazon, the cutting down of all the jungles and the forests pollution of the waters and the killing of the indigenous peoples, uh, which is all taking place at the same time right now on a huge scale. And for those who don't know, the Amazon provides the largest amount of air that we breathe on the planet and many other resources like, um, you know, what become the medicines that cure us from cancer and many of our diseases and things like that. So it's very important. So going back to the elders coming about eight years ago, uh, they asked if I could come and help. And at that time, I mean, it was just an overwhelming task for me. I was doing several other peace projects at the same time. But then, and I told them I'd have to wait for a while. Well, then fast forward a couple of years, and about five years, four or five years ago, a group of four elders representing the four main peoples of the Amazon 
the condor people, the jaguar people, the anaconda people, and the hummingbird people, which overall represent well over 300 tribal or clanish groups across five countries, um, they came to me and said that they'd identified that I was the person in their prophecy uh, that's supposed to come and help them turn the tide. And so I'll give you a very short version of what the prophecy is and then tell you my thoughts about that. But for, I guess, a few thousand years or maybe longer, they have a prophecy that things would get really bad, that people would come from across the sea and destroy all their cultures, be working to destroy the Amazon, and in the end, destroying the entire planet. That's what their prophecy says. But that at the time when the Amazon is burning and all these things are happening to indigenous peoples themselves, a man will come. Um, some of the there's different prophecies, so you have to sort of sort through them all. But several of them point to that he'll be a peacemaker known around the world. And the last time I heard the prophecy from the Kogi, they believe that he will be a, a white man with blue eyes, and that he will be the one to step in. And ultimately, the prophecy just says that this man will step forward, and he will help to unite indigenous people of the Amazon. In other words, he'll be like a catalyst, not he's going to save the Amazon, but he'll help to unite the people of the Amazon, and they, in turn, will come together and through their wisdom and understanding will save the Amazon, which will ultimately play a part in saving our entire planet. So after having the elders from numerous different traditions and speaking to them over like the last eight years and all that, I finally decided to just give in and step forward and do the job. Um, whether or not I'm the right guy or what, I'm stepping forward and now I've taken that on. And so for them, the prophecy is being fulfilled. So on November 25th, there's going to be a sacred fire ceremony involving elders from the Amazon a couple of esteemed elders from Turtle Island, which is the United States, Canada, and Mexico, and then maybe an additional elder or so, are going to ignite a sacred fire. At the same time, elders in the Amazon will be sending energy and such to bless that moment. And when that fire is lit, it will be lit to create the turning point to the moment that the prophecy has come to be and things are stepping forward to save the Amazon. That event will be um, attended by about 100 individual people who've been selected for different reasons. Some are major activists, some are indigenous peoples and such. Uh, I will be there in the middle of that. Um, and it, as I said, it will be live streamed. And then um, that event will launch off us. It's both a fundraiser, so anyone out there who wants to do something to help the Amazon, there'll be abilities to click and donate towards the project. And then um, once that the weather clears up and we get through this initial um, event and such, we'll start getting our gear together to, have, to head to the Amazon. And then the general plan is, is that I will travel with a group of other people and meet with the medicine and other types of elders, chiefs, queens, and such of all the tribal groups across five countries and try to 
bring them together as one and then take on the problems. And the thing that I have decided to do differently than most everyone else is that elders shared with me that there are many really good people who've stepped forward to help in the Amazon, and they appreciate that. But that the majority of those people, even the ones that are doing real good for them, weren't invited in the first place. So for them, they just kind of showed up. Then they, in Western ways, know what needs to be done, and they take on what needs to be done according to them. And mostly when the elders have suggestions or feel there's something else different that needs to be done, many of those organizations and people who are helping don't listen to the elders. Rather, they follow, quote, Western thought. What I'm doing differently and what the prophecy actually says is that I'm listening to the call of the indigenous elders. I don't, I'm not going to tell them my plan. I'm going to come and hear their plan. And then I'm going to use all the resources I've created over the last 50 years, all the tools, connections, interactions I've had with people all over the world to pull together and make this happen. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, what it's all about. So my first question is, it must have been incredibly uh, uh, difficult, amazing, hard to make the choice to step into what was a prophetic role. I mean, because I do think that that has a lot of, to, to be able to move into one of those roles, takes a lot of courage. It, it, it's, a, it's not an ordinary thing. Can you talk about that? Yeah, and so I like to be really clear and honest with people about things like that. So the idea mm-hmm. of somehow, you know, elders and all kinds of telling me that I'm the person that, it needs to come to the Amazon and that I'm going to make a difference is extremely stressful for me. I'm just a guy that has been for the last 50 years plus just trying to make a difference and show up. So it's very hard to step into a role where, you know, that somehow I'm the guy or whatever. I'm just stepping in because no one else is and they believe I'm the guy. I just see myself as someone just trying to do what needs to be done. The downsides of it are, of course, when the indigenous people come and say, we want you to come save the Amazon, um, some of my brothers and sisters' immediate thing is, is, well, you can't help them because you're a white guy and it's just, you know, um, co-opting their spiritual stuff and things like that. But the problem is I'm not asking anybody to do anything. I'm not pushing this. I'm not in any way advocating it. The indigenous people are the ones leading this thing that's happening, not me. And they're saying I'm the person they want to come. And so I think that that kind of overrides any concerns anybody has about that I'm trying to do something. I'm just trying to show up. And the truth is it's not an easy thing to do if you think about it. I have to change my entire life. I had double knee surgeries just done, so specifically so, hopeful of making the journeys across the Amazon to show up to these people. And I've had to put my whole life on hold for a few years in order to meet the different requests that they've had. So um, I'm not sure how it is for other people who ended up in the middle of a prophecy, but, you know, if you're just a person who is kind of caught up in it, 
it's not an easy thing to do. I guess that's all I want to say. It doesn't, it's not exciting. It's not adventurous. It, it's just really tough, hard work. And well, on one hand, people are really hoping that you'll be able to help them. On the other people are saying, well, who the heck are you to help them? So it's a challenge. So I think one of my most favorite things you've ever told me was how this all really began for you, the ritual where you put out your intention against others. Um, you were talking about, you know, the one that you put in that you're going to change the world. Uh, that, can you tell us a little bit about that very early moment? Because um, people may not realize you're a goddess follower. You've been dedicated to goddess for your life. A- absolutely. So if you were to go backward and just know my story in a very short version of it, in 1965, I was in a fatal accident, and I was pronounced dead. And I, my short version, went through like a tunnel of light, had an incredible spiritual experience. And in that experience, the goddess spoke to me and, and asked me to serve her. And I've been doing that since 1965. So whatever anybody thinks of that experience for me, it was a very real thing and it changed my whole life. And I dedicated myself to that. So in the early days, I helped, you know, create the whole pagan movement. I mean, my guess would be that, you know, there were less than a hundred people other than some of the old, you know, Scottish and Irish traditions that you might find from when people first came. But in the modern pagan movement, there was nobody at that time. In fact, there weren't even Gardnerians yet, you know, and stuff like that here. So um, I got involved in helping to get the goddess movement started and the pagan movement started and such. And at one point I was at a ritual with a number of elders from our traditions and the ritual is about, you know, what do you want to see this upcoming year kind of thing. And people were lighting a candle on the altar and saying, you know, I hope for peace in the world or I hope for this or I hope for that, whatever it was they were asking for. And in that moment, it came to me how many times I'd lit candles or a prayer. I hadn't really thought about doing anything beyond that. But when I went to light that candle in that one time, this voice said to me something kind of like, is this the best you can do? Like I heard the goddess's voice, like, you know, is this really the best you can do is light a candle to help save the planet? And so I decided to go ahead and actually step forward and do physical things to try to help the planet. And I started very small, like everybody, you know, I I helped with pagans and stuff who were fighting for their rights and then later took on the prison systems, first in California and then across the entire United States. I took them all the way to the Supreme Court of the United States to get rights for um, pagans, but also for all minority faiths. And in the course of that, fighting those battles over seven or eight years, um, I started getting requests from Native Americans, uh, South Sea Islanders, Buddhists, Hindus, all of the spiritual traditions who were not being accommodated in the United States in governmental institutions and being protected under the Constitution. And so as I began to work with relationships, and so now 50 years later, I have relationships with leaders all across the planet, both in spiritual ways and in political ways and in activism ways. And I'm able to motivate 
literally hundreds of millions of people that I have connection to now and many of their leaders. And so I see that as a, a kind of magic. It's like, you know, in the old days when you want to make something happen, you create a ritual, you visualize what you want to have and happen, and then you, then you actually take some steps. And when I was very young, I had one of my early mentors uh, teach me something about what we call magic. And he was just saying, you know, magic is like fishing. If you just stand on the side of the shore and you look and you know there's fish in there and you're hungry and want to eat one and just start praying about it, it's pretty unlikely a fish is going to jump out of the water into your hands so you have something to eat if that's what you're trying to do. But what real people who observe nature and understand it would do is to sit and observe how the nature of the fish is and how it relates to its environment and what its are and what its routines are. So if you sit and watch the fish, you first learn that they eat in the morning and at night, not during the day. And secondly, if you want to catch a fish, they like to eat bugs and worms and things like that. So some smart person put a worm on a hook and threw it out in the water with the idea of catching a fish. And then ultimately, you now have done everything that you can as a human being. You've asked the gods or goddess or whatever to help you catch a fish. You've put together all the physical things you need to catch the fish, and you've tossed it in the water. But in the end, with all the fish swimming around, whether they bite your hook or not, it's kind of more of in the category of the divine. It's something beyond us that makes that particular thing take place. So for moving forward to making peace in the world and also taking on this Amazon project, I'm following the fishing metaphor. I first visualize sent out my magic, my prayers and such. Secondly, I've gathered all the tools like the fishing pole and the hook and observed how people respond and such. I put that all together and now I'm stepping forward in that and asking the divine presence for me, the goddess, to be present and make it all happen. And so I feel pretty confident since in 50 years I've taken on hundreds and hundreds of these projects and with only two exceptions ever failed. And so I'm hopeful that I will be successful in this endeavor. And we do too. So let me go jump right into and ask you, how do people help you? How can we well, as a community help you? Well, there's a number of different things that people can do. First, simplest and easiest is always just donate some money toward the cause. Um, I'm a very small little nonprofit, um, McCollum it's the McCollum Foundation, and you can go to patrickmccollum.org, and you can donate right there if you like. And over the next two weeks, there will be all kinds of things about this new event, which is called Return to Origin. R2O will be coming out on the Internet in many different ways, and there's opportunities for people to also donate there if they want. Um, but I want people to know that, out of 50-something years of all the projects I've done, all the people I've helped, changing the whole prison systems, um, I took on AT&T, who said nothing pagan and any terminology could be used for passwords or anything having to do with AT&T business. Um, I took them on and managed to win for us, and I've done many big things like that. Of course, the Pentacle Quest, for those who remember, I was one of the key main people on that team to win us the right to have the pentacle on veterans' headstones. 
all these projects and all these things I paid for out of my own pocket. Never asked anybody for anything, and I've done that for 50 years. But the things that I'm doing now are beyond my ability to support financially. My entire life is devoted to it now. So now I don't really have a full-time job. My full-time job is helping everybody. Um, So anyway, that's the first way people can help is to simply donate. The second thing that you can do is to share and amplify what's going on. So, for example, share with people that this is taking place. Do a little looking into the Amazon and the issues there, and if you have thoughts and ideas, share those ideas back and forth with your neighbors and your friends. Um, And lastly, make sure if you're able to go ahead and and, uh, click on and follow us on live stream on November 25th. Um, I am not a tech expert, so I can't tell you all the ways of doing that at the moment, tell you that there are teams of people who are going to be putting that all out within a day um, where you'll be able to have lots of opportunities to find out how you can sign on and help in different ways. Then the last thing I wanted to share is people actually have stepped forward to help me in different ways. So uh, for those who don't know, I just had double knee surgery, as I said, to be able to go forward to the Amazon. Well, I've literally had some of our community fly across the country and take care of me while I'm trying to rehabilitate. I've had people who showed up to help bring firewood and things like that. So even little stuff like that is helpful. That's terrific. And everybody should know I am dedicating myself to be an amplifier of this information. Uh, we're doing this as part of the witness to prophecy. I think there's a lot to be said, and I've gotten uh, a bit of we've been following him for a while, and I've been able to be a witness to it. So one of the things that has always amazed me, he gave me a news story once, and I beat the actual Main Street Press, story that went out ABC, NBC, CBS. Uh, Sir Patrick McCollum gave it to me in the Obama administration in 2009 in Australia, where he's involved with those activities of peace. So I've always been grateful, because that's one of the things that really helps me as a media person. So... You talk about what you're doing for others, and, and, you know, others are helping you, and I want them to come out and help you. But you also are, really have been focused on, on building a, a goddess life um, on the highest levels. And people say, well, we can't do that, but you did. What is the difference from, say, an average person, a young person, and trying to do this to where you're at? Hmm? I mean... Well, what is the mental thing they uh, need? Yeah, so something I always love to speak to is, is our community, meaning the, and it, you can't even see just even the pagan community. It's a, a much larger spiritual community that's moved into many different realms, has grown exponentially since I started. So if you were to think of it in real terms, that there were maybe less than 100 people in the entire United States States in this community, and a number of years ago, Pew or somebody said there were 1.8 million, and I have no idea how many there are now, that in my lifetime, from me being one of the people planting original seeds for that concept to it growing to a few million people is quite significant. And in the course of that growth, things have been lost that I think are important, you know, like certain basic ideas and thoughts about how we do things. So one of them that I followed along from the earlier times is that there was a kind of overall belief that creation itself 
whatever, and I, even using that term is getting into the wrong terms maybe, but everything that we see and know that exists, creation itself, I'll use is, is the term, is whole and complete. That was an early idea spoken by many of the people who founded our, our traditions that most all of us belong to. And that because it's whole and complete, nothing's outside of it. Every possibility is within it. And the answer to every question is within it. And the solution to every problem is already within it. And I like to point to the space race as an example of that. Because when I was a young boy, you couldn't go into outer space. People didn't believe it could even be done. And yet there were people who believed it could be done. And once we sent people to the moon, we're all going, look at the amazing thing that we did. But you have to remember that a billion years ago, everything necessary to go to the moon was already here. So the metal, uh, the metals, the fuels, the glass for looking out the viewer, the stuff to make the camera, gravity, um, human intelligence or potential for creating thinking beings, all these things were present from the very beginning. So they're not new. They're not something we created. They've just been sitting here waiting for us to use. And so I lead my life based on the idea that whatever it is that I believe needs to be done the tools to do it are already present and that it is only a matter of stepping forward and finding those tools. So there's a confidence that you have to build around that because if you think that the world's a random thing and that there's nothing you can do about it and you're just floating around like a cork in the ocean in your life and that maybe you're lucky and you get a great job or maybe you don't and all those kind of things, then you weren't utilizing any of the original tools that were in our community, which say that, of course, everything we need is present and all we got to do is find it. And so what I'd say to the younger people today is that start out by acknowledging that nothing is limited. Absolutely anything you can imagine is possible. And how do we know that? Because our imagination is a part of creation. And if it is, then anything we imagine has to be possible. And so it's like a different way of thinking. And once that you think differently, the other step I would say to people is when confronted by a problem or something that you feel compelled to do something about, but you don't think that you can do anything about it because it's such a big problem, just step forward and address the smallest part of that problem that you can. And if you do that, it'll lead to the next step, and that'll lead to the next step and the next step. I've actually stopped wars by simply taking a first step with absolutely no idea how to do that. And then gradually, as each step is taken, it reveals the next step until all of a sudden, say, a war is over or a person's rescued or, you know, a, a sacred land is saved, those kinds of things. You do walk with amazing grace. So I want to meet with one last thing, because I know your time is very precious. The logo of this is the Ancestors to the Future. Have I got that right? I saw that. Yeah. I think that's like yeah. the most powerful line in, in it. For me, that is the most powerful line in seeing the, the opening of this. Can you, you know, explain what you mean by Ancestors to the Future? 
Um, I'm a big believer in this, but that's really strong. Yeah, and I mean, there's so there's a lot of different people had a big conversation about coming up with that term. But for me, what that means is that, you know, right now we often revere our own ancestors who accomplished things of significance or meaning or who did something that changed the world in a better way for us. But we forget that we are the ancestors of the next generations and that who we are will be who those people will be looking back to either recognize what we contributed or what we didn't. And so I think it's very important if, if we're literally the ancestors of the future, you know, those of those who will be in the future, then we should be being, let me go backwards a little bit. You know, you've all probably heard this metaphor idea that try to work your life or run your life in a way that if whatever you did today comes out on the front page of your local newspaper or across the internet, that you would feel really good about it. And so I think all you got to do to be a good ancestor for the future is to follow that plan that if what you're doing is the best you can do, if you're living by principles that you feel that those in the future will look back to and really honor, then you're doing the right thing. And if you're not, then try to get on that track because in the end, like it or not, we're all the ancestors of the future And you'll all be looked at later on by your families, friends. And if you actually end up being someone who steps forward in a bigger way, then people will spend generations trying to understand you and understand what motivated you. And if you did it right, you will become an inspiration for them to become the ancestors of their future. I think that's a wonderful sentiment. I think I believe in that one wholeheartedly. And it's been a part of my life. And as you have been, too. So I'm really grateful to be actually so because it is a witness to prophecy. I've been able to sit there. And I love prophetic frameworks in a lot of different ways. But things happen that you don't understand. And you've been able, I've been able to see a front line. You, meaning Jane Goodall in 2004, to be able to witness that. Um, and you've had all these great moments. And we're now moving toward the ancestor future. So... Do you have any last things you want to say to, to, to my audience who's so grateful that you've come on? Yes, I would. You know, what I'd like to share with people is my own view of myself and what I see happening and what I think about that. And that is this. I am truly just an ordinary, everyday, regular guy. The thing that sets me apart from some of my other ordinary, regular, everyday people is that I choose to step forward to stand for certain things. And then I don't let anything stand in my way. I just, I move forward no matter how big it is in front of me. And it's the biggest surprise in the world that I started out 50 something years ago, just trying to teach little tiny groups of four or five people how, how we might create a better world. Um, you know, many years ago, I chained myself to trees and, and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. It never in my wildest dreams would have led to where I am today. Last year, for those who don't know, Jane Goodall nominated me to become the messenger of peace for the United Nations for 192 countries. And I'm currently being vetted um, by the White House for 
you know, potential positions and stuff for the work that I'm doing, I wrote things that were later went to Congress and the previous president of the United States and became law that protects all of you, basically, and your rights around your spirituality and your beliefs and things. So I have a whole life of things like that coming forward that I never would have imagined, you know, could have ever been. But by sticking to my path, I am still a regular, ordinary guy, but gradually, if you just keep chipping away long enough and working, you become something else. You become a regular, ordinary person who's at their full potential. And that's what I like to think of myself as. And each and every one of you out there have that exact same potential. So it's just a matter of choosing to step forward and then to put your head into it. And the one last thing I'd like to say is, you know, somebody was once making, not a joke, a serious comment to me about how amazing it must be to, like, hang out with royalty or meet with the president or travel around the world and climb the Himalayas and stuff. And very few of them realize that the reality of it is it's like often I'm laying on the ground and have insects crawling on me in some third world country while I'm getting over a fever that I got while I'm trying to help somebody, but that I got to get it out of there quickly because somebody's trying to kill us all or something like that. You know, so it, it isn't as exciting as it all sounds, but there are also times that are amazingly exciting and fun, like, you know, speaking to millions of people in India or, you know, presenting something to Parliament of the World Religions or any of those kind of things like that. So um, I guess that's the last thing I'd like to say is, is that all of us have the potential to do what I'm doing. It's really a matter of choice, and it's a matter of changing your perspective of how you address the world. And that perspective is the one that works well for me is the one I shared a little while ago that there is nothing that you can't accomplish and that everything you need to accomplish, whatever it is, is present here right in front of you. And all you need to do is look for it. Don't say that can't be done or I can't do it. Instead say it obviously can be done and I can do it and then step forward and do it. And and that's about all I'd say. Well, thank you. You're an inspiration. I am so grateful for you to be here. Uh, PatrickMcCollum.org. This is going to be part of a larger piece. Keep following it. This is need us to amplify it. I am so grateful to have you here. Um, and so with that, uh, folks, we are you know we are done with the show for the day. I think that's great. And uh, we're going to be covering more witness to prophecy. I think it's a very interesting, deep story. And uh, thank you, Patrick, for being here. And uh, blessings. And uh, people are hearing more about yours, and I think we hope you do the very best on this trip, journey into it, and on to November 25th. Uh, and so one thing for hope. people to know, Ed, I'm sorry, but just yes. one thing I forgot to say is that besides the event that is coming up, when we travel to the Amazon, there will be entire camera crews and stuff following all the conversations and ceremonies with elders and everything, and it will all be being live-streamed back. So over the next year, that people will be able to actually physically watch and join that journey. Um, so you can see what it's like. I did not understand that. That makes, a huge, that makes a huge, tremendous difference. I didn't quite understand that part. 
So this is a year-long, almost reality show version of this, huh? A metaverse type thing. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's a, I did not realize that. Wow. So, folks, you know, because I'm deep into this metaverse right now, I did not know there was all that streaming. And, yeah. so, folks, this is just the beginning of this story. Yeah, it's all that streaming. Oh, my gosh. I thought it was – so it starts on November 25th. Is it a big streaming or is it before that? So there's two things going on so that I didn't want to go into more details here. But so this event that we're doing to light the sacred fire is the first of 12 or 11, to- total of 12 major events, one each month cul- culminating on December 21st, 2022. So there'll be this event in November. Then there'll be one on the solstice on this December 21st, and then each yeah. month there'll be one, and they'll be live-streamed all around the world as actual events. But then at the same time, we will be going down to the Amazon and, and having interactions and starting the actual process, and that will all be documented and live-streamed, and the parts that aren't live-streamed will be put together for documentary and stuff or later viewing for people. So it's all being caught you know, where it's not going to disappear. People can watch it, and you can join in, and you can see exactly what's happening as it takes place. So so the Ancestors of the Future, this is a year-long project, but let's focus now on November 25th and and giving you all our good energy in the first sacred fire that you're lighting. That is breathtaking and amazing. We could talk to you forever, but hmm, I do know you have to get ready for this. Yeah, I do. So well, blessings, everybody sends day. healing energy your way. And uh, thank you, everybody. And uh, blessings and good night. Watch for more of this special. And uh, I'm so grateful to have you in our lives. Good night, folks. Good night, Dad.